edition of Cloud Unfiltered. I'm your host, Michael Chenitz, and this is a special edition at KubeCon Chicago, the Windy City, right? Rainy now. It's supposed to be raining all is the it, next, is it? like, yeah, 24 rain. hours of rain is what we're doing. Oh, man, that's, that's miserable. It's, yeah, it's, not, I know. it's not snowing. That's what I'm happy about. Yeah. I heard it yeah. actually snowed last week. Here. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I was afraid because I'm from Arizona and I don't own a jacket, so. <laughs> I didn't know you were from Arizona. I don't, yeah. I don't know why I never, never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, th this is the second time you guys have been on. I think Neil wins it because I told him before he's been on three, going on almost four times. Neil, so, so you guys are getting close though. So. Give us a year, we're gonna catch it. Yeah, that's right. It's, I felt I told him when confetti needs to come out, something needs to happen, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I'm so glad to have you guys on. We always have a good time, you know, when 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 we have you guys on, and um, you know, so I, we can go off on a tangent, but we have a great time doing it. Oh yeah, this is so much fun. We had last time was a blast. It was definitely top top two podcast we've ever done. We have had. One other one where we were driven around in a car oh, all over yeah. Detroit last year. And, and in, as you were podcasting? As we were yeah. podcasting. What? And it was, it was really fun. It was like, it was we were like in the, the back seat of the car. Or the karaoke thing. Yeah, yeah it was like, it was like, it was like of, that. It, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was VMware who did it, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like a VMware podcast. It was... It was, I'm not saying. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I'm not saying yours. The conversation might have been better. I'm, but, you know. I'm thinking showmanship might have to go yeah. up a little bit. Like maybe helicopter over this. I, we take like a helicopter. I would, I would go with the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we do this in in business class, flying across to Paris <laughs> yeah. on the way there? You know, Cisco, come on, we're yeah. just, you know, we're going to get a, get the private jet out. We'll do it in the air. You know, something like that. Now, I wasn't even thinking of the showmanship side of this, but yeah. now you brought it up to a whole nother level that I have to think about. You've, you've destroyed my life for like the next few months now. I mean, you know, content can only get you so far. Yeah, At some yeah. point, it's really bribery, you know? <laughs> That's so funny. You know, it's funny because, uh, you, you know, I've, I've been thinking about content a lot. And, and I know this is not what we're talking about, but I've been thinking about content a lot. And, and I I think about what I'm interested in, in in content and you know when I was a kid it was much different but now I don't know about you guys but I watch a lot of Netflix documentaries you know and I'm, I'm always watching some kind of documentary and and I was saying that thinking about our industry and how people just do like whiteboarding or something like that and I said what would really be cool is if we could do like 10-15 minute Netflix style documentaries with like real b-roll getting information like like talking about like acorn or something and being like Okay, let's talk to the founders and let's let's show up something and let's like really really make it look like a professional documentary, but like in small form. Wouldn't that be better than these like animated videos that yeah. everyone has on their website? Oh, yeah, Wouldn't it like, be like especially if it was like episodic? It'd be like yeah, yeah. And Darren's just struggling. He's struggling today. He's sitting there, and all of a sudden, you know, we're like, "Where's Darren?" And we realized he was out. He was out at a bar. He was drinking. He was like, <laughs> I was like, we're gonna lose him if we don't bring him back from well, the edge of this madness he's fallen well, into. Well, now, now maybe we need a reality show. Yeah, that's more like it. Well, that's the like behind the scenes, behind yeah, the music. Know. You know, the, the coffee mugs thrown across the room, exploding. And the you reality know? show is, is it just a camera of me in a dark room program? That's really <laughs> it's what. It's really it, boring. Just, no, 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 it's no, the boring wanna, part. I want to see the one with you doing Twitter messages because oh I read gosh. your Twitter messages and I'm yeah. like half the time I'm cracking up by the by the this, stuff that. You're, this, that you're talking well, this about. This is me programming. You're getting frustrated, and I just yeah. go to Twitter to it's yell. Usually <laughs> the, the need for outlet. Yep, yeah. yep. That's awesome, though. I love yeah. that. All right, so so we do have you on for a reason to talk about some trends. So so what is what's going on with with Acorn? Like, what what um 
what is it solving? First of all, we talked last last year, but what, as, as things evolved, has it? What's going on? It's Talk been, real to me. Yeah, it's been really interesting. You know, last year we rolled out kind of alpha open source Acorn, and it was awesome. We were, you know, we were into KubeCon. We showed it to people. We got a lot of great feedback. We started seeing people using it in anger and hitting against it. And really, the last year we've been just working on the project you know filling in the gaps getting all the stuff in there that we need to actually solve the problem i mean you know like every startup every once in a while you kind of you have this moment where you're like oh my gosh i can't believe we're running another marathon you know it's like why did we ran a marathon and it went really well why are we running another marathon and and then this is our third marathon you're like how could we possibly want to keep running these stupid marathons and especially like i think there's a classic thing where you're in this moment of like you know, whatever the version of mile 1.3 is, and you're like, I'm already tired? How the hell am I already tired? I have 25 <laughs> miles to go, but I'm already tired? That has definitely been the, uh, the, like, the reality of kind of working through and understanding, again, what it's going to take to solve this problem. Because we're, we're trying to build a cloud-native developer platform that orients around the teams who actually build apps instead of building infrastructure solutions, which is what we've always done. And as we've gone deeper and worked with these teams, the complexity, the challenges that they're facing, their antipathy for things like Kubernetes is real. And they're, they're very much not using it. You know, we, I was just at an organization in the last few weeks that was telling me, you know, maybe, maybe 20% of their people really use Docker regularly and have totally embraced it. Um, and this is an engineering org and pharma. You know, you're like, wow, okay, that's a lot less than even I would have expected. And so I think there's a, you know, there's a, there's a realization that as we kind of try to understand, we've invested so much in building these incredible, consistent computing layer that a Kubernetes is. When we think about how to leverage that, we actually need to get the workloads on it. We have to get people writing, consuming, and it can't be a lift and shift only type of response. We did that with the cloud and it's costing people fortunes now. So we have to think about the way people write apps, the way they kind of want to use infrastructure, the things they care about from kind of technical things like performance and how they build things to costs and, and maintainability and supportability, debugability. And so it's been really good. It's been that journey. So with Acorn, we've been working on the open source project, uh, Acorn Runtime. That's the operator, the operator that runs on Kubernetes itself and deploys and runs Acorn Images. But we also just launched a public-facing cloud called Acorn IO, which is wow. really geared at taking that next step. I think what we what we found was we had no shortage of platform engineers who wanted to talk to us about Acorn and wanted to look at how to build, you know, the next version of their developer frameworks, but they, you know, they, they're still architecting it from their perspective. And it wasn't, we kind of were afraid that we were just going to end up, Darren really pushed me the most on this because as the sales marketing half of the team, I'm usually like, yeah, great. We have people who want to buy from us. They want to, and Darren's like, you know, if we just go down this path, we're going to build the same thing we built at Rancher. We're going to end up building compliance and we're going to end up building operational processes and we're going to, we need to make this thing public. We need to put it in front of people and have them use it every day. Startups, small people, and you know anyone who just wants to run a container and an app. And so, so we took the runtime and we basically put it on top of AWS and we built a public cloud, um, our own Heroku, our own DigitalOcean, whatever you want to think. Yeah. And we rolled it out a couple of weeks ago and it's been incredible. Like it's, 
one of the cool things we did was we we created this big free sandbox. So like all you need is a GitHub account. You come to Acorn, you just create an, uh, your account, and you kind of claim your your ID on the Acorn cloud, and you get this ephemeral sandbox where you can run container, run Acorn images, and deploy anything. And it's just um, it all gets wiped, it all gets clean. But it's like the first time that I can easily be like, hey, Michael, I just here's this new cockroach DB. It's so cool. Here's a link. Click this, and it gets instantiated. Not as a Docker container running on your laptop, but as a full maybe application with a IP and a public DNS, and you can actually explore whatever the the workload is, without you having me having to know which cloud you work in, you having to provide a credit card or anything. So we're we're really trying to we're trying to think about the user, trying to get closer to the user, and that's the journey we've been on. Is this kind of next step of how to take the last? It almost feels like that. I don't know if you're. You guys probably remember this, but that last mile of fiber, like yep, how do you get that absolutely. last yeah. mile to the engineers? Yeah, yeah. Yep. I feel like that's the world we're, we're living in. Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited about what, what we've built because like, so when we, we started the company, um, like kind of like our origin story to, to like in our first blog or whatever was, um, I was trying to set up a Minecraft server for my son. And then like, I would like, as like the creator of K3S, I'm like, oh, I'll run it on K3S at home or whatever. And I got frustrated with just writing the YAML. And I'm like, this sucks. So like, I just went back to Docker Compose. And it's like, I created K3S and I went back to Docker Compose. <laughs> so like, that was kind of like the origin story of, of, uh, of our, of kind of like. There has what, to be a better way. You yeah, know, like there's a better be the way to do this. You know, it's like, I'm still going back to Docker Compose. And, and you know, so it's like, I'm not even using Kubernetes myself. So I started working on Acorn, you know, the Acorn Runtime, the open source project. So it came up with this great uh, like interface or whatever. So now it's like this really easy way that I can deploy applications on top of Kubernetes. But like still the fundamental problem is like I first have to run Kubernetes. So like so now with like the the cloud that we've launched, I finally get like what I want where it's like this simple compose interface where it's like, oh, I can just have a CLI and this like little like, you know, configuration file, I can define my application and then it just runs out in the cloud. And it's like I can use the same thing for development, I can run it in the cloud. So it's like I finally get like it's like so basically I took a year you know I had to, had to create a company so I could run my son's Minecraft server <laughs> that's basically like my that's that's it and my you should name it after your son yeah <laughs> yeah so so it's like I'm, I'm happy so I can finally run this stupid Minecraft server in the cloud and not have to worry about but it's like it's like it's, it's so cool to me because it's like it's running on like Kubernetes and all this stuff I know it's super scalable and reliable and all this stuff because but you I, need that for your Minecraft server. I, yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, this is serious business. If you talk to my son about his Minecraft server, we need this, okay? <laughs> but it's like... He's it's, like, Dad, did you architect this the right yes, way? Yes, exactly. <laughs> the whole class might be on it this yeah. week. That could be like I'm nine people, ten people. He's like, to get a dedicated domain name, is our yep. load balancer yep. in front of it? Yep. He's like, I, need, I can't have custom ports. I, I need the... Yep. <laughs> so, but it's like... But it's so cool because I got all this working and it's like, I don't have to, like, I don't actually, like, I, I know it's all there. It's cool. It's, it's scalable and stuff, but I didn't have to do it. Like, I could just run it and it's just, it's just magical. So it's like, well, I'm so really cool excited. Is you can go to our website and now and in our little library of images, this is Darren's Minecraft server. So you can actually <laughs> yeah. just hit it and launch it yeah. and, and actually start to see it's how these things work. the way my son wanted it. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, you know, so, so in some respects, this has been done a little bit before because like, you know, um, Terraform had Terraform Cloud, you know, and yeah. to me, like, you know, it's like, okay, well, where do you run Terraform? I want to, I want to trigger my my GitHub action. GitHub triggers the Terraform Cloud. Terraform does whatever you need, you know. So, so, but you guys are taking it a little bit different level, where where it can actually kind of 
bring you along a little bit more than than yeah. than something like that. Yeah, it's like what I wanted to do because it's like the cool thing is like the way we've architected this stuff. It's so it runs on Kubernetes. You can install. You can. It's like so. There's all these different layers of technology, and it's all you know kind of well architected and cool. But like I wanted to be able to show the full end-to-end story of like look at how simple it is from the end user. Like I don't know anything. I can just you know easily just download the CLI or go to a web page and run an application. So like what we have with the SaaS, like with acorn.io is this, just this beautiful experience. But like the really cool thing that I get excited about is like, because I, I know it's built on all these layers, the flexibility of how we can end up kind of rolling this solution for different use cases. Cause it's like fundamentally when you create something with acorn, it's kind of, it's, it's portable by nature. And it's like this same environment will run like on-prem in the cloud. We could do an edge version, you know? So it's like, so like it was important to me of like just get the end-to-end experience like just like the ideal use case but then you know as we want we can kind of slice and dice it and do it however you know kind of makes sense for the the, like the end user or or whatever but but the thing about yours is that it's directly targeted from develop from a development perspective yeah it's directly to get that developer to its end state easier yeah and and, and it's like if you if you like if you follow me on twitter or whatever it's like all my rants and everything (laughs) is like it, everything is from the perspective of, I mean, it's whatever. It's like my perspective, like I'm a developer and I get frustrated with things. Yep. So it's like, I want this system to behave that makes sense to me. It's like, yep. I've, been, I've been recently complaining about like ops tools. And it's like, obviously I know why ops tools exist and why like the why they're useful. But as a developer, it's like, it's not in a format that makes sense to me. So it's like everything about Acorn is like, I want this to make more sense to like the developer or if not necessarily like the developer, but the app team, it's like, I. I want to get away from like the, you know, my day-to-day job is running infrastructure. I understand infrastructure. It's like get it more towards the the people who are like writing the actual application that drive the business value. You know, it's like get it closer to that side. That's that's the interesting part. So so really, it comes back to who's doing this stuff. You know, because like I I had a talk with uh, Kelsey Hightower one day, and he's like, well, application developers need to be enabled to do the application. Businesses are getting paid to get an application out the door. So, but different people have different perspectives about who owns certain pieces of these, this pipeline, if you will. Yeah. So, so how do you solve that? Because obviously every company is different. Everybody has different re- rules and regulations. Everybody manages it differently. How do you say, here's a solution? And do you have like common recommendations on how and who should manage these things? You know, it's been... Um we kind of talked about that a lot internally. And one of the reasons we decided to launch this public cloud was actually the best example we've seen where somebody has really developed a tool that not only appeals to developers, but really has become a cornerstone of IT is GitHub. I mean, GitHub yeah. is, is the perfect example. It's public. Everybody has an account. Everyone can create anything. And most people have their own private account and their work account at this point, sure. right? And so we were we were looking at that and thinking, you know, that that was successful because it understood how developers actually write code. It made something that was communal and it was free. It was easy. Like everyone could get it. There was no sign up, no credit card, no trial. It was just, you had a space in the cloud to write code, share code, contribute to projects, see what projects were doing, find interesting things, see what was trending. And so we started to like architect the cloud. That's the direction we headed. We're like, well, how do we, What's the equivalent in the computing world for what GitHub offers? And in the reality, there isn't anything that's like GitHub. There's no place where you can just assume, I can just assume that Michael has access to infrastructure and can run something that I want to show him or that he can explore something new. And so that's 
what became the seed for how we built this cloud was we said, okay, we want, we want the user experience for most people to be covered by the standard version of the cloud, the free version. And so we, we couldn't do that. We can't just give away infrastructure forever because we're paying AWS for it. Sure, so yeah. we were like, all right, we can't do unlimited infrastructure for everyone on one common framework, but we can do is ephemeral environments that anybody can launch anything because we're going to power it all by Acorn. We're going to run it on Kubernetes. It's going to be very efficient. We can, we can really consume resources very diligently. And so we can give people environments that are, you know, that last a couple hours. They can spin stuff up. They can use, you know, uh, really even you know data services, databases, all these types of components, and experience what it's like to use something new, whatever it looks like. And that's that has already become just like that ability to create something and then convert that image into a link that I can stick in my YouTube video or on my podcast or in my article or on my GitHub page and have a link there that I'm confident if someone hits, you know, once they auth with their GitHub, they're going to be able to see the running implementation of what I just created. That's just new. That's never really existed in a way that was that was meaningful. It's kind of replity. You know, replit kind of gives you that from a if you're writing and you're teaching someone to code, but in terms of like running microservices and deploying applications and running new software, it really doesn't exist. So we're really excited about that. You know, we want people to go to this website, just sign up for an account, deploy something, and start getting a feel for what it looks like to both develop in one image and run that same image in production and you know, kind of share things in, in ways that up until now have been really mostly confined to the laptop. It's like if I wanted to show you something, I would just send you a Docker image and you would try to run it locally. And it's not really the same thing as trying to deploy something with an endpoint. And you know, it's hard to do that with a Minecraft server or a database <laughs> or something like that. So we're really excited. That That's where we think there's a you know, the potential for innovation. And that, that for me is kind of like off, to going off on a tangent, but that's the feeling I have right now in my, I don't know, 15th KubeCon or whatever this is, <laughs> is that, man, we really need to kind of kick some doors down because there's a, there's a feeling of lethargy around that as I walk through here that I haven't felt in a while, but it feels like both, maybe it's because of all of the stuff that's going on with the big companies and you having these pretty significant turnover in staff, and maybe it's because the projects have hit a maturity level that they're they're not growing, or maybe it's because you know we have hit this like you know valley of disillusionment around how much people are going to love this amazing thing we built. But for whatever reason, we're definitely in a stage where innovation has kind of slowed a bit, um, and we need to. We need to kind of burst it back open, get people realizing how cool this stuff we built can be. Yeah, and I, I think that, um, you know, I, 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 I think that people have to go back to what the real needs are, you know? So, so what are your needs for that application? What do you need? Because for some, a lot of people design for a platform and that's not always the right way to do it. You know, really the right way to do it is to say, I, um, you know, I, I, I have these needs. I need it to be scalable. I need it to be, I need my uh, development team to be, you know, develop on their own, you know, in their own silos and then bring it together later. I need, you know, whatever those needs are that drive this application, think about that first and then back into the solution that's gonna help you the most and be the easiest, Yeah. you know, and maintainable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, I, I mean, I felt it's like, it's like when Docker came out, it's like, yay, like containers are great. Now I want to run it in production. And then we spent like a decade building Kubernetes. Yep. And now we're so focused on like, okay, well now I'm managing, like, it's like we got, we got distracted from the original goal. And like, now we're just in the weeds of managing all this stuff. It's like, 
know, taking a step back, it's like, well, my original goal was still just to run the application. And yeah. it's like, I, I have a container and I want three copies in production, <laughs> you yeah. know? And it's like, it's like, just taking a step back. It's like, cause that's what we've, we found with like, with, with Acorn, it's like the intention of like the interface is like to describe things from a, it's like a higher level perspective that's more application oriented, not necessarily the infrastructure, the how you're gonna set up services or, sure. or you know, whatever load balancers and stuff. So is like the amount of information you need to describe an application is actually pretty simple. It's not, it's not much different than like the boxes and lines you would draw uh, in a, like a little diagram. It's like that describes mostly what your application is like. Sure. Obviously inside the box, there's a bunch of code doing things, but it's like, so it's like when you take a step back, it's like, it's not that hard to describe them, but like there's all these like intricate, annoying details of like, you need this and this, but like with Acorn, we've been able to basically infer and, 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 and figure out those, or we already know what the best practice is. It's like, when you want to do load balancing this way, this is the best practice. So we just do that. It's like, you know, so it's like just going back to that original intent and like not getting so stuck in the weeds of all the details of what you need to do to actually make it run. Yeah, no, and that's, and that's, that's what I, you know, it's as a technologist, that's easier said than done. I mean, because oh, yeah. we all know that we like the new shiny object and we want to write to that because it's interesting and we all have ADHD and we want to, we want to <laughs> see that what that can do. And, and, and I'm, I'm definitely someone that's like that too. But in reality, if you look at it logically, you really want to do something that makes sense for that application. And, and that's, that's not an easy thing. And, and the other part is, is that when you go to enough companies, companies always say that they are the exception to, yeah. to the, uh, you could, we can't do it this way because, mm -hmm. and every company is so unique when in reality, there's not really that many yeah. <laughs> permutations of it. Well, that's where things like, that's one of the reasons we kept going back to GitHub is you saw how, you know, companies all believe they're unique until they see everyone else doing something, then they all want to be just like <laughs> yeah. everyone else. It's like, no one really doesn't use GitHub anymore. Yep. <laughs> Nobody doesn't, or GitLab, but yeah, they're, yeah. They're basically following the same processes. It just sometimes takes them seeing it adopted out in the rest of the world before they bring it into their hallowed grounds of you know government and finance and whatever they are wherever they work. And so I think for you know when you're building new companies and you're building new products, going as low as close to the ground as possible to start with can be difficult. There's not as much money down there. There's a lot less validation. Your VCs will not be impressed when you tell them about, you know, this little startup that's loving your product or this, you know, <laughs> this person who keeps tweeting about how great it is. Um, but it's where you find like people that are leaning forward and kind of doing new things and they lead to two to 10 to 200 to 2000. And you just you go through this process a couple times and you start to see that if you understand the problem reasonably well, it's probably right. Like you can impact it and organizations, you know, they'll require new things. They'll, I mean, we knew this, I mean, you know, one of the reasons we decided to go in this direction was also just the reality is if you go and build an enterprise scale product first, the compliance, the scale, the integrations, the convent, you know, kind of the adoption of their processes, it's, it's an enormous investment. And if you don't have that developer experience right, we're gonna just do, as Darren told me, it's like you're just gonna build the same thing we built before. It's gonna Wouldn't make these DevOps people love it. I know, it's like yeah. you're just gonna build this, because it's the same people, the same DevOps teams yeah. and platform engineers are gonna tell you, build it exactly like this, yeah. and we're gonna need this approval when they try to do that, and yeah. we're gonna provide a template. It's like a Helm chart just for them to use and fill in these things. They don't really need to think about how the app works. We're gonna do that for them. It's like, no. That's, that's just, let's try it a different way this time. Yeah. So it's been, 
it's been a trip. It's certainly much more, um, you know, it's much more interesting to be working down at that level than trying to map to a specific org uh, design of how they kind of work through their processes. That said, they're all talking about the same thing. I mean, every single person comes by the booth is talking about how to get more people on these platforms they're yeah. invested in. Yeah, absolutely. Does, you know, and, and this is a question that's kind of a, just out of my curiosity. You know, you guys have been through Rancher. You've, you've done that part. Now you're doing Acorn again. Does it, does, it, does it kind of feel like sometimes like, okay, I've, I've been through this part. Now I got to do this again. And it's like, is, does that get kind of frustrating after a while? Or do you kind of get like, you <laughs> there know? There are times. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's funny. So before Rancher, we did CloudStack. And that was kind of a precursor to OpenStack. So we... You know, we've been really working on this since like the earliest days of cloud in the mid 2000s. We started yeah. working on what would it look like to build your own cloud. And, and that cloud stack journey was maybe six years before we started Rancher. That was acquired by Citrix and we had, it was a great run building infrastructure as a service. So starting over again with Rancher was like, oh, but we're abstracting all that away. Now infrastructure goes away and we're gonna work at this new Docker layer. It's so interesting. And that was, I mean, a good eight to 10 years that we worked at that level only to now be saying like, okay, that's kind of cool, but now let's abstract that away and work at this application level. And so you're kind of like refining it each time a little well, bit. Well, we're standing on the yeah. shoulders too though. Like we yeah. couldn't do this without that. And we couldn't yeah. have done Kubernetes really without AWS and the cloud It would have been a lot harder. And so everything we learned at CloudStack influenced Kubernetes and, and what we were doing with orchestration, everything we learned building Kubernetes environments and managing Kubernetes at scale is influencing how we're thinking about the application layer. So at some level, maybe next couple will be like a no code, low code. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I just want a yeah. database in the cloud. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I do like this. The harder part though, I say one of the great things about the Kubernetes like Rancher was, you know, the momentum in the market that coalesced around Docker and coalesced around Kubernetes created uh, in a super innovation cycle. You had this great cycle that kind of ran from 2014 to maybe 2020, where you know there was new things coming out. Those service meshes were coming out, and there were cool new storage approaches. And so, mm -hmm. like every time there's a big transition, we've seen this, right? VMware creates this big transition. All sorts of new technology comes out. Cloud creates this transition. Containers created this transition. You know, this time it's a little different, right? We're kind of almost like, okay, we've done all that, but we're still we still haven't met the development teams on the other side of the bridge. Maybe we need to kind of go look at that world and come this direction. So that it's, it is different enough that it doesn't quite feel like the same marathon, but there are moments where you're I, like, I, oh, it is still a marathon. Yeah. I feel like there's like, something's got to give of like the, it's like things just keep getting more and more complex. It's more and more difficult. It's getting more and more expensive too, mm -hmm. like to run in the cloud. And it, and it's like, you know, we've been doing this long enough that it's like, the patterns are set we know what we're doing there's like there's got to be like we've learned enough that there's got to be a generational shift here like soon and if that's what i'm always looking for it's like just trying to figure out it's like is there some way where we can do that like that next jump because it's like we have amazing platforms and so it's it's like the cloud kubernetes it's great platforms it's like if we can just build that next layer but i mean it's 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 hard it's like it, you know these things are, you know, it's, people have tried, right? We're yeah. not exactly. Yeah. I mean, you've had Cloud Foundry, you've had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, VMware yeah. feels like they've tried this four times, and they, so, you know, I, they're still trying I, to kind of jump across this. Uh, this and I think, bridge. I, I think, as uh, we're just like we're just naive enough to like try again, yeah. like because like I, I always tell you, it's like whenever we're trying, it's like so many people have failed so many times, but like I don't know, I'm willing to try it, 
because um, like we'll fail and we'll figure out something and we'll, we'll move forward and we'll, you know, we'll eventually get something. But, but it's like, there's still a problem to be solved. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's still, it's just, it just shouldn't be this hard. That's what just always drives me nuts. It's like, it should it be, be harder, hard. right? We could be trying to come up with a new iPhone game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> way harder. So yeah, like, yeah. I do think like, you don't have to do anything really. It's a, because the iPhone games are, are pretty much a game with 90% ads. So yeah, that's yeah, it. Sure. But they're pretty, everyone hates them. So are they successful anymore? I think yeah. I was thinking about this the other day because my kids, I have kids that are 10 years apart. I have a college freshman and a fourth grader and then one in the middle. And the crazy thing is my youngest kid and my oldest kid are playing, my youngest kid is playing the same exact video games that my older kid played. Ten years later, there's been like no progress. Yeah. He's still playing just all Clash Royale, yeah. and he's still playing <laughs> Minecraft, and he's still playing Fortnite. Like I'm like, there isn't even one new game. I'm like looking through this list. Oh I'm gosh. like, oh my gosh, it's FIFA. And I it's, think you just figure out this is the real problem. There's not enough the innovation problem. in games. There's literally nothing <laughs> changed. He's yeah. playing uh, uh, Plants vs Zombies. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, this is the same game I got on my phone in 2008 when know. it first came out. I you mean, know, Angry Birds, like, it's, yep. there's no innovation it's anywhere true. in this world. I don't world. know. You look at, like, how long Frogger lasted. Yeah. Like, Frogger was, like, it used to be, like, the default game. They would always just try on yep. new platforms. Yeah. Berserker. Like, yeah. But it's pretty embarrassing, right? We're literally, like, that. Like we hit plateau of, oh, we can just milk you for money and <laughs> yeah. skins and levels. Yeah. And you're going to be and, here and it's forever. funny because my son's seven and he like plays the video games. Like, daddy, can you buy me this? Can you yeah. buy it? Like, and it's like the, the shark, like we'll play the shark attack or whatever it is. And it's like the shark skin that you can put on the shark. Or yeah. Like something. It's like shark $7. attack's another one my yeah. kid played when he played 10 years ago, the yeah. shark attack game. You know? We're it's stuck like in a cycle. The, the movies yeah. are the same. The games yeah. are the same. I was thinking about this. At Christmas time, I'm trying to figure out what to get my kids for Christmas. Day. It yeah. is. There's not like we are literally <laughs> stopped innovating, and all the new innovations they don't seem to like catch on. I mean, let's. I guess we all have to cross our fingers that the the new AI powered video games are going to be like yeah. amazing, right? Where you're, yeah. they'll just have better ads. They're adaptive ads. I mean, it's hard. Like, I don't know what to get my kids for the Christmas because they just want the same things they already oh had before. My God. Gaming toys and laptops and you know bikes. So I, I, I tell Mike, I'm like, you know, back in my day, we would buy the game once and then you never paid again. Not like a monthly that, subscription it. buying. No, skins. it was any Sierra yeah. game that came out is what I played. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those were innovative for their time. Like yeah. you know. What's funny because you know, remember when um, when. Stranger Things came out, all of a sudden Dungeons and Dragons was like oh, really yeah, back yeah, in file. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, well, I guess everything just does keep repeating. Yeah. We're just now getting to the age of our parents where when they were like, really, you're doing this? Like you're sitting around making things up at the table and this is what you think is like entertaining? I mean, this is everything cyclical. I mean, because you look at it, you know, it's like, okay, well, when my dad was working for IBM, AS400 are big, Acre said, there'll never be something called a PC and, and that, that doesn't matter. And, you know, and, Everything was a mainframe, which is basically, you know, kind of the same thing as a cloud. Yeah. <laughs> and now, now we have the same thing. We're like, all right, let's put everything to the cloud. Now everybody's been to the cloud. And they're like, all right, maybe we should move some things back. Yeah. You know, I, it's, that's, that's the analogy I always use. It's like AWS is like, it's just the main new mainframe. It's, it's like we've mainframe. got three mainframe vendors. It's like we need the new like this. Oh my god, we're platform. so locked into our mainframe. You exactly. Know? Yeah. That's, that's what it is. How much are you spending on that old yeah. like HP Superdome yeah. thing? And then you're like, oh my gosh, it's killing. By us. the way, going back to CloudStack, was that the one? so? 
There was one that was kind of like an AWS clone that got sold to HP or something like that. I can't remember which one it was. That was Eucalyptus, I think. That was Eucalyptus. Oh, yeah. so I used to love yeah. that. that. There was, was CloudStack awesome. and Eucalyptus, and CloudStack was like Apache open source, and Eucalyptus ended up. Oh, Cloud, that's right. I so remember it's Apache CloudStack, and then right in the middle of CloudStack, we were like a year and a half in, Dell. I didn't, NASA. Know you guys did, I didn't know you guys did CloudStack. Yeah, we did CloudStack back in 2008, and then in the middle of that, like we get this call from Citrix and Dell. They're like, hey, we're starting something called OpenStack. Can you guys be part of it? And we're like, well, we kind of already built that. It's called CloudStack. And they're like, no, 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 no. We need to do it this way. Who was the one that this said This one has we, better marketing. Yeah, it was like, and we're all behind it. Who was like, the one that said we need RabbitMQ in between every process? Because you know that's what, what you know, oh, setting you know. up setting up all that was like it would take yeah. a week. You had to make sure everything was It's <laughs> crazy though because at KubeCon in Europe, I couldn't believe it. I'm walking around and there was a CloudStack booth. Like oh, the yeah. Apache organization is still thriving and growing and they have like this is the magic of open source. Like we just kind of push this out. There's consulting companies that sell CloudStack. Citrix long since abandoned it. Like they don't they don't care. But like but it still exists. So at one event we had an Acorn booth, we had a Rancher booth, and we had a CloudStack booth. That's cool. And they were all happening in the same three of generations of stuff that we built. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this stuff never ends. It's like even you know, you move on and it keeps growing and living. And yeah. that is the great thing about doing it in open source. I will say, like the first comment when we announced this new thing, someone's like. Well, aren't you guys just going to uh, close source this eventually anyways? I'm like, to be fair, I know that that's like kind of in vogue at the moment, yeah. but we've got a pretty good track record of open sourcing things and yes. leaving them open source forever so that you can yeah. use them. I mean, at this point, I don't think anyone's ever made a penny on K3S really, have they? I mean, maybe Suits have made a little bit of money, but for the most part, it's just this know. massively widely popular open source thing that people use everywhere and nobody really pays well, for it. Well, to your credit, I mean, you always see the like, the frustration, and, and you said, you know, that's why you go on Twitter. And and honestly, the best applications come from frustration. Yep. We we what did uh, I was I was out to dinner with uh, Stephen Augustus, my colleague, you know, at, at Cisco, and he calls it uh, what does he call it? Um, uh, what frustration based development or something yeah, like, like that? Brains driven <laughs> development <laughs> or something? Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. like whatever, whatever it is. That's basically it's it's the it's the frustrated and then naively thinking you could do it better. Like that's my entire. It's like it's like I get frustrated. I think I can do it better. I try it. I usually figure out I was wrong and I couldn't do it <laughs> yeah. any better. The, the, but in the process, something usually comes out of that. You know, it's like. K3S was a side effect of trying to build, uh, you know, an app platform like what we're doing now, and like that was a failed project. But K3S came out of it. Yeah, you know? it's so funny you say that because Darren has this great cycle where he'll get really excited. <laughs> he'll, he'll go through the rage, then he'll be really excited about something. Call me, want to talk about yeah. it. Really excited. We'll go through months of work on it. It'll launch. The second day, he'll be like, "I gotta hate this thing." I hate it so much. Why did I build it? What are we thinking? It's going to be horrible. No one's going to like it. I don't even want to tweet about it. That's what I don't even want to tweet about this thing. I'm like, we just spent six months working on this. I know. I hate yeah. everything about it. Yep. I'm like, I'm glad you're you're so positive. Yeah. <laughs> you made my day so much better. This is literally, it's literally every, every, every product launch you've ever oh my done. Gosh. I'm like, I hate it. Like the why, first time, why, why would I even talk about it? It's yeah, terrible. he comes to the booth. He's like, oh my gosh. But that's that's the artistic journey. Like even if like like I'm terrified of putting me like I love play. Look, I have a guitar right there. I love to play guitar. I'm terrified of putting it out there. Yeah. You know. So I think you you get to that point where you're terrified of doing it, but then people 
you, you never get that reaction you think you're gonna get. You think like, yeah. oh, everybody's gonna hate this. It's gonna be, oh, I'm gonna get so many reactions. And yeah. I mean, when, when I create something, it's like I can only see it for its flaws. I'm like, I do. That like, is I true. do generally enjoy like when people tell me like like, oh, I like it or, or yeah. you know, it's like the amount of people who've come up to me like at the booth and they're like, oh, like I like I've launched my career off of K3S. Like that's the way I learned like Kubernetes. It's like that's really cool. Yeah. Because yeah. like even when I look at K3S, I still just like, eh, you know, it's a lot of hacks. Like we, I really. <laughs> <laughs> really did some terrible things to make that. Well, I think work. that's the truth, right? Yeah. Is these things when you're a startup, you have to kind of you pick a goal, you run there, and you run. You don't really get the opportunity to walk. You have to yeah, run, yeah. and that running means, you know, you probably sprain your ankles, you kind of trip <laughs> on a couple rocks. It's ugly. You work your way, and if you're lucky, if you're lucky, you you live long enough to kind of fix those mistakes later on. You kind of improve it. You go back and re-architect I mean Rancher we re-architected a couple times at least and so you you know that's like the sign of success is the opportunity to go back and fix the flaws in your initial implementation and and you know most of the time you don't even have those opportunities most of the time these things are really really hard to find good product market fit you build them and they're just not right they don't quite fit the problem you think they're gonna fit they don't resonate with them they're too niche there's not really enough demand for a problem like that there's a better way to solve it there's already a great solution that you just didn't even really understand yeah, so yeah. it's a it's a constant learning and i think as entrepreneur slash innovative developers it's always you just can't let anything bring you down you have to stay yeah. positive you have to kind of say like okay i learned from this and what are we learning where it's are we hard to stay positive. you have to keep picking yourself up that's, that's yeah that's it I is and, it's like <laughs> And, but it's great. I mean, the outcome is so yeah. good in the end, especially, I mean, we'll say working with Darren, working with Shen, our, our little team of really four or five of us that have been working together for so long, eight of us, it, it helps enormously to build those friendships and those connections because you know, you have someone, I mean, Darren picks me up and I pick him up and we, <laughs> there's definitely days where we need each other to kind of be like, all right, it's going to be fine. Don't worry so much, Shannon. Um, and vice versa. But like, you also have all your shared failures together. Like we never would have pivoted Rancher as fast to Kubernetes if we hadn't gone through CloudStack and OpenStack. Like yeah, having yeah. built CloudStack and then have this new OpenStack thing come along that totally exploded our world, you know, helped us understand how the open source community worked and how we had to latch on to momentum and find momentum as a startup. And so, you know, when we were building Rancher, kind of pre-Kubernetes getting established, we were looking at Mesos, we were looking at Docker Compose, we were looking, or Swarm, I mean, Swarm, we were looking yeah. at Kubernetes in its earliest manifestations. We built our own thing called Cattle. We, like, we tried everything to figure out what's the best way to orchestrate containers. And, you know, we were kind of lukewarm on Kubernetes. The first time we looked at it, we were like, yeah. oh, it's really complicated. We're sure that's the best way. Right. But as the momentum built, you're like, okay, there's enough energy here that we're going to get something that works. And that's all that really matters. And by getting behind it and diving in, opportunities start coming up. You see the gaps, you start to fill them. And before you know it, you've got a product that's really popular, solving problems. Yeah, I, I always find too that the best products are the ones that that engage and and kind of allow people to use the things they're they're passionate about. Like like I, I have this story about you know we, we we did some cloud management at Cisco and and you know we had this great infrastructure it was awesome it was like this graphical infrastructure that that could provision all of your 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 AWS and different clouds and it would do it all graphically it was so nice and you would just like inject the scripts in the in the areas that you wanted and it was awesome 
But at the same time, this thing came out called Terraform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, Little known and, project. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the, the people were like, yeah, I'm not going to change from Terraform to what you want me to do. Terraform is where we're going. So, so what I'm saying is, though, you know, the end of the story is there is that you have to be able to have enough flexibility that whatever you have can consume or, or use the products that people are passionate about, too, or at least the methodologies or the, you know, whatever it is. And, and listening to, to, especially in open source, it's actually, I think, a little easier because you can, I can come here to a, to a conference and see what people are passionate about yeah. and then do those things, you know? It's tough, though, because I think Terraform's the the interesting example right now because you have this, one of the reasons Terraform probably succeeded and was a better alternative to a lot of its was because it was open source because people were yeah. willing to jump in consume an open source project and that snuffed out competition right there wasn't really room for lots of other things because there was this great free open source solution and now all of a sudden it's gone it's, and then there are you know you hear this argument from them you hear this argument from the the guys at um, Elasticsearch as well it's like but you know now we need to we need to make more money off this thing. Sure. We need, it, you know, it's not the right answer anymore. But the monopoly they generated and created came because they were able to kill out the competition by being open source. So I have, I have real skeptics. I don't have as much tolerance for this modeling, this change of modeling. I think that okay. the, what's happened these last couple of plays are going to really dampen the enthusiasm for open source projects. The, 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 fact, the idea that an open source project should become a standard or will become a standard you know, it partly happened because Cisco's would get behind it and Red Hat's would get behind it and Microsoft's would get behind it and Amazon's would get behind it. Now everyone's using it, so you feel comfortable using it. Well, are you going to feel that comfortable anymore now knowing that this is the way? I mean, I, I feel like there, you know, years ago the CNCF implemented, you know, the incubation projects and the openness of like anything can kind of come in. I think there's going to be more pressure on open source projects like Acorn, like, hey, you know, great, you guys have done this in the past, but. What's to stop you from changing? When are you going to contribute this to CNCF? Why aren't you pushing it in right away? Because I don't want to get behind your thing and help you make it better, only for you to pull the rug out on for me, like these guys have. And I think that that's that's a really maybe that's one of the reasons there is this dampening feeling at the moment about open source is that you know you're not seeing a whole bunch of new interesting open source projects springing up, and they're not getting as much enthusiastic response because maybe people are skeptical. Yeah, no, I, th I definitely think there's a level of that. And I, and I think there's a, there are ways, I, I don't want to say a way, but there are ways to do open source right. And, you know, definitely doing something where, where community has put trust in you and then changing that and then kind of betraying that trust is probably not the best way of doing it, um, you know. I mean, I think they have the right to do these things. I'm not claiming they don't. I think that it's just going to make people smarter about understanding yeah. the difference between foundation-led open source and non-foundation-led open source. And if your open source is really, you still control everything, the patents, the you know, you own the brand, you own everything, but you've given it under an Apache license that you control and you can kind of fork and take it off in your own direction, I think people are going to start to discount that as being open source. They're going to see that more as marketing open source. More, little more likely. Can you create to a new name for that? Is there like a? I don't know. It's definitely not marketing open source. Maybe something else. But it's it's going to, yeah. and it'll make it harder for companies to. Yeah. But then it'll you know that will also dampen the enthusiasm of VCs to fund open source companies. So it's created a really weird environment yeah. right now that is much less hospitable than it was when we started Rancher, where yeah. it was very I mean, obvious that open source was the right way to build what you hoped would be popular 
core technologies. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's made it a lot, you know, it's like there's a lot of different ways to do open source. And I don't really think there's like a right or a wrong way to do it. Um, but it's, it's made it much more obvious of like, you know, like, well, you know, it's like if it's a company led project that's open source, then it's like, well, they can switch the license one day. It's like that's becoming, you know, obvious and people are doing that. So like the idea of just saying it is open source doesn't have as much weight as like saying, no, it's a foundation and the license cannot be changed or whatever. So I, I do think there's going to be more, you know, for people to trust this, it's probably going to have to, most things are going to have to go to a foundation. Yeah, that makes sense. So we are, we do have to wrap up. It's getting, you know, I could talk to you guys all day. Yeah. So we could, we could just, just make this the, we could just make this the, uh, you know, cloud unfiltered show, you know, with, with, with you guys all day. So, <laughs> um, but, but you are at KubeCon, you know, what, what's, I ask you this every year, what is it that interests you um, that's new or what is it that interests you at KubeCon? I mean, what's great is the number of people who are here for the first time. It's stunning yeah. how many people walk up are brand new and it, I don't know if it's because Kubernetes has like lost the attention of the people who are sort of the most innovative people inside their organizations who are now working on AI stuff and are being pulled onto something new. But there's a lot of people who are inheriting Kubernetes operations, they're inheriting yep. Kubernetes engineering, and now they're trying to learn. I mean, I was having lunch with a person, he's like, I really didn't know what this was until about eight months ago, and I'm wow. trying to get up to speed really quickly. And so, at the same time, I think there's like it feels like a really weird time to me. Like it's like the least um, optimistic of like oh the next year's gonna be even bigger and more awesome than I've ever been to. I would say right now it feels like there's a lot of organizations are you know thinking about cuts, thinking about changing their size of their teams, thinking about where they've invested resources. I think innovation budgets are getting constrained a little bit. So it's interesting. It feels like you know more than any time since like 2008 that I can remember where, you know, people are strapping in, they're kind of getting ready to take things uh, down to the core and really focus on what adds value, what doesn't add value. And so, I mean, there's cool technology. I mean, AI is everywhere, but some yeah. of that even already feels like a year late. I was thinking that as I walked through some of the AI booths, I was like, oh, that would have been really cool to see last year. Yeah. This year, I feel like I've seen enough AI that I know what you're going to be showing me, and yeah. I know how much. So many people are doing AI just for marketing. You know, it's yeah. not really, there's not yeah, a lot of benefit to it. It's like these little GPT things that you're like, okay, I get it, and it, it adds a little value maybe, but not yeah. enough that I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go yeah, yeah. stop by your booth and yeah. dig in. Have you yeah, seen yeah. anything that like blew your no, mind? I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like if, if you don't, it's like AI is great. If you have a good product, you can make it better. But if you have a bad product, it doesn't make it better. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like if you throw AI, it doesn't suddenly make it a better product. You know, so I I don't know. Yeah, there's nothing like, um, yeah, there's nothing I saw that kind of blew me out of the water with AI. Well, what's so interesting like, is usually you go to the big booths and you kind of get the more boring things. Yeah. And But this year, the big booths, you're walking around in the VMware booth or the Red Hat booth or the Microsoft booth, and, and you're kind of, like they're really like the people who are even there aren't that enthusiastic. <laughs> like, like, wow. like there's like usually there's yeah. more enthusiasm and everything. I feel like there's just a, I mean it makes yeah. sense. There's a lot going on in these companies right now yeah. with Broadcom situation. And there's a lot going on in the world right now. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the world. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. a weird. I don't yeah. know. It's it's weird. It's like what am I excited about? It's like I'm I'm actually like I'm very kind of pessimistic about the current situation. It's like it's just all so difficult and it's just like. But like what I get excited is like, well, there's a lot of problems and we have amazing tools to solve these things. So it's like, I'm excited to just try to fix these well, That was what things. was so cool about 2008 is that's when we started cloud.com is yeah. 
you know, all of a sudden funding froze up. You couldn't raise money. You were, everyone was laying people off. There were budgets were getting slashed. And then this just explosion of innovation comes out of, you know, not being able to hire 10 more DevOps engineers, yeah. not being able to hire another outsourcer in India to take on the challenge of, of kind of taking every yeah. app and turning it into a Helm chart. And so I do think that like when you see the, the people being forced to cut their cloud budgets, cut their innovation budgets and start to kind of get more profitable, that tends to, you know, focus the mind on pretty specific problems. And so it's a fun time to start a company. It's, it can be challenging. It can yeah. be like, you, you really have to imagine how do I get through more difficult times? Um, I, I noticed the, the hiring situation. I mean, last year, 10 people walking up, hey, I'm just looking for good people. This year, 10 people walking up, I think I'm probably looking for a job in the next three months. Yeah. You know, and that, yeah. that, that is, is a big, that's obvious a, change. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Like before, we would really struggle to find people. It's like yeah. everyone would just get grabbed up by the big companies right away. And it, now it's like, but we have to turn people. Those same big companies that hired thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands are now yeah. talking about kind of quietly five, ten percent cuts that are yeah, going yeah. on all over the place. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's it's well. Hopefully next year we'll talk about it, or next KubeCon we'll say, you know what, it's a much better environment. We're we're living in a better environment. We've seen more innovation. People are more enthusiastic. Jobs are getting yeah. better. It feels <laughs> like we got to, and these things are cyclical. They just come yeah. in waves. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. the. Um, and you know, I think there's a. It just feels like there's something coming, some some yeah, breakthrough, that, some interesting way, stuff. That, like, that's what I'm like. Optimist. It's like, yeah, like I just feel like there's. It's everything's just kind of coming to a head. That they're like, it's just something's got to happen here. Yeah. And it's like I think we're the conditions are right that we we will see some some big innovation. And maybe it's AI. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> maybe. I, I mean, I, I do legitimately think we'll see some yeah. great stuff from AI in the yeah, next year or so. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 think, I have no doubt. I mean, we're just that. obsessed with it internally. We're yeah, constantly yeah. working we're, on it and using everybody it. Everybody is right It's now. so I mean, interesting. It's, yeah. And so it, you have this like momentum there, but it it is it is like it's going so rapidly. It's almost yes. like the oscillations yeah. in the uh, yeah. in the old Gartner wave yeah. or whatever. You're like, oh my gosh, it's so, so high, then it's so low, and then it's back so high. You're yeah. constantly it's in the, all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, crazy. Just, a, just a, on a side note, you know, you use something like Copilot or something like that. Unless you know how to code. Yeah. It's not going to give you a good result. Like if it'll import something and it'll import it like the same thing over and over and over again, yeah. or it'll you know, or you have to know the, uh, how to generate code. You know, I'll just say one one <laughs> one uh, amazing experience I had with a Copilot or as a similar one. I yeah, think yeah. it might have been Copilot. Is like I wrote this kind of this uh, language for for Acorn, so it's like my own syntax, my own thing, and so I'm writing documents. DSL. Yeah, it's <laughs> and it's a it, it's like it's basically it's a functional programming language. It has all the constructs of it, and so I was writing the documentation, and so. I would write the, okay, you know, this feature, here is the like the source AML, and then it would render this, and I would just autocomplete, and Copilot would tell me the right that's, thing. See, that's, that's it cool. was my own language. Like, <laughs> and it, it would just basically like, it would actually evaluate it to the right thing. There were basic examples, but it just kind of shows like, it's like, wow, that was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's, there's definitely something here, because yeah, it's like, yeah. it was able to basically, yeah. So it was, it's just it's, gonna get better in the next yeah. few years. And yeah. I, I am excited to see what happens. You know, it's, it's like, I have two sides of that. I'm, I'm really excited, but I'm also a little worn out by everybody trying to use AI and saying we're doing something with it, and it's yeah. not really anything. I mean, you know? I mean, we've been washing with things forever. Cloud washing, cube washing, cloud container washing. Yeah, yeah, That's so. our, I mean, there's Mark, now my fellow AI marketers washing. and I, we need to do these things. Just yeah, bear yeah. with us. We'll, we'll wash. Now, now that we have AI, now the washing can be done by the robots. That's the it. The next generation, they'll just do it for us. 
Well, <laughs> thanks. Thank you guys so much for coming on, and hopefully I'll have you guys on again next KubeCon or, or whenever. Yeah. Anytime, Michael. Love yes. it. It's always yeah. so much yeah, yeah. fun. Yeah, no, thanks so much, and uh, I'll see you guys soon. All right. <laughs> see you soon. Thank <laughs> you.